right, good welcome uh, to the next program, News from the Drug War Front, uh, brought to you by Karma, the Canberra Alliance for Home Minimisation and Advocacy. The reason I paused is I thought there was meant to be a promo for 3CR straight after the end of the previous show, but uh, it just seemed to be a song come on, so we'll proceed. Um, good morning, co-presenter, Marion. Oh, good morning, Geoffrey, and good morning, listeners. It's freezing cold out there, but I tell you that every morning. You don't need to know. Get yourself a coffee, settle in, and listen to news from the drug war front from Karma. Do you think it'll be a cold winter? Sorry? Do you think it will be a cold winter? Oh, mate, absolutely. Feel it in your bones? But I I can feel it every day, Geoffrey, (laughs) and I tell you, my arthritis says it's a cold winter. I cannot make a fist anymore, so... Don't worry, though, I can still kick, you know. That's good. (laughs) No way I'm going to get put upon. Uh, We had some stories this morning, too, from women, which is great. Three stories by women, for women, and uh, we've selected some music to go along with that. Yeah, Um, a bit bit of different stuff. I was um, uh, running a bit behind schedule, so I just grabbed a sort of unknown bunch of CDs, but I didn't do too badly. Oh, you did very well. I'm really impressed. I got to pick out some terrific music, <laughs> um, some old stuff that I really like, but nonetheless, it'll be, I tell you what, it'll all come back again, Jeffrey. What, you know, it all goes around, comes around, and people do, what's it called, like a virgin, <laughs> the way they do it on uh, on Rage, but it's just simply uh, really redoing old music because some of the old music is oh, just still so, and it's so relevant. Absolutely. Yeah? A lot of the lyrics relating to drugs and the drug war were hidden inside songs. Anyway. I found an old, um, been going through cleaning up some of the old, you know, I was always a bit of a hoarder for um, user magazines from just around, a bit. around the just, <laughs> just a bit, yeah. yeah. And Karen and I have been, um, Spending time just going through working out what's you know actually rubbish and you know reports from 1998 are a bit out of date, but um, found some really good um, uh, karma um, publications, and there was oh, yeah. one, one that actually had um, a list of the top 25 um, drug songs, which wow. was very interesting and drug movies. So it'd be nice to have another go at putting together another maybe yeah maybe another one magazine list, yeah, a year because there've been some updates since then yeah absolutely and people like to see themselves in print anyway look I'll just give you a sense of um, I normally send an email about just a summary of the program highlights and I've got it here on my phone the big story is that after nearly 30 years there's um, a huge breakthrough in terms of um, the pharmaceutical benefits scheme yeah well people are on opioid methadone uh, buprenorphine buvidal all all those ones that yeah. were dependent on the state or jurisdiction that they are in yeah you know, like we pay the cheapest in the ACT because it's $15 a week for consumers um, if you're at the chemist but in some states, you'd be surprised how much. Um, yeah, oh, look, we've had we've had reports from people in the country on how much they're actually paying, and it's ludicrous. It's huge amounts. It's a real disincentive. In fact, I remember going back as far as I think it was around about two thousand. Uh, Salvation Army in Victoria commissioned a researcher to look and see if the cost of. Um, method- well, look in New South Wales, it says you know the subsidy um, is one thousand. Once a year for the pharmacy and a hundred year per patient, twice a year capped at twenty payments. Not too bad. So, well, for the pharmacy, not too bad, but lousy. For doesn't mean that they're not going to um, that the patients aren't going to pay for it. Well, especially when the actual um, product is given free by the federal government. Pretty you know, much, well, covered at you know 
$2,000 if you, you know, count it out. Actually, Crazy. I've probably told this story before, Marion, but when I was on methadone in Melbourne um, uh, in St Kilda, my actual dosing pharmacist was on the pharmacy guild. Yeah. And he was trying to sort of recruit more um, pharmacists to join the program. Yeah. And he thought, you know, oh, you speak quite well. well. You know, would you be interested in coming along on a Saturday, you know, to try and give your personal story and encourage yeah. a few pharmacists to sign up? So I thought, yeah, why not do, do, some, do something good? Yeah. And um, the first time I spoke to um, the bunch of you know, people in the hall, I sort of pitched it around it being a, a really positive move to help people get their lives together and, you know, it's better than having to chase prohibition drugs and, you know, that sort yeah. of line. Yeah, yeah, Didn't get too many people signed. I was sort of pretty disappointed. So yeah. the next time I did it, I thought I'll change my angle. Yeah. And I started off with this, anyone know of a product that they get for free? that they can then charge whatever they like. Yeah. And people just look perplexed, like, what are you talking about? Yeah, these are all pharmacists. All pharmacists, yeah. 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 And, and they looked at me like I was, you know, mad. And I said, well, if you joined the program, you would actually get uh, your meth- methadone. I think at that stage it only was meth- methadone. Yeah. Uh, for free from the federal government, and you can essentially set the uh, dispensing price, price yeah. yourself. And so you told them to charge what they like, you goose. But well, never mind, how many did you recruit to the program? Well, many more, I, I assume. Almost yeah. 90%. Wow. Like, the guy from the pharmacy guild was just, like, gobsmacked. And, and isn't it amazing, you know, that the pharmacists always say that they're healthcare providers, but really it comes down to an economic matter well i think i've seen that recently with the um debate about um the farm you know what a script being worth um two months instead of one or something i'm quite sure of the details but i think it's all a battle for your wallet (laughs) yeah well indeed just just give you a sense of what i sent out on this email it said um a huge potential benefit nationally for consumers of opioid substitution treatment or ost and there's so many acronyms for this program yes it's very difficult you'd be mind blown and what they are also known as Opiate Dependency Treatment Program, or ODTP, is close at hand. After a recent announcement by the federal government, the announcement comes after a two-year review involving consumer consultation and seeks to make the uh, system in Australia more equitable and accessible to people. Broadly, the plan is to put uh, the medication, buprenorphine and methadone preparations, onto a Schedule 100 um, schedule, which would mean that people would no longer have to pay dosing fees every day, but rather would just have to pay the gap fee, around $7 if you have a healthcare card, and around $34 if you, just, if you don't have a healthcare card. Is that card. per year or per week? Per every uh, 28 days. Per every 28, 28 days. days, yeah. Uh, the pharmacy be reimbursed by the federal government for the cost of dispensing. Also, because it is a gap payment, the payments made would count towards the safety net, which at present, um, you know, dispensing fees, methadone and buprenorphine do not count. This is a huge win for our uh, community and something that our peak body, Avel, has been advocating for for over 30 years. So it goes back a long way, Marion. It does. Uh, We'll keep you up to date on further developments. So, um, I mean, that's a a major change. It is. It's a huge change. And when I look at the list of what's happening, um, it's interesting. ACT in negotiations with the Pharmacy Guild, the state branch, or the territory branch regarding remuneration for dispensing of long-acting injectable buprenorphine. So that hasn't been covered. Obviously, New South Wales initiating patients on long-acting injectable buprenorphine in custodial setting. Note, PBS restrictions state patient must be stabilised on sublingual 
buprenorphine or buprenorphine naloxone prior to commencing treatment with this drug for this condition. Also, implementing good opioid treatment strategic action plan, which includes enhanced access. Anyway, it goes on. I mean, it There's might be as good detail. to put it on the website. It's yep. very, and it's tiny, weeny little print. Yep. So, but it's complex. The whole point is that the, the intention of the federal government is to reduce cost, make it available to users at as minimal cost as possible. And regulate it fairly. And regulate it across Australia. However, there are places like Queensland and West Australia where nothing's happening. Well, I believe despite, it's been, despite the fact that this has been promoted. So... Perhaps maybe that should go on uh, the website, Jeffrey. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Look. Or it may even be on uh, Avil's website, for all we know. But it's a, a think good it outcome. Yeah. So we introduce maybe the yeah. karma, well, hey, and well, news from the drug war front, because that's just, a really important point. Yeah, well, I'll just quickly um, finish up the, the rave. Um, oh, the yeah, sorry. EO of um, karma, Chris Goff, actually has done a lot of the work behind the scenes in being a, one of the stakeholders in trying to – Negotiate and show why this is unfair. Yeah. You know, like, your charges don't even go towards your safety net. You know, people get to a certain amount and then their prescriptions are free. No, yes. none of this. So it's really like you're just another category of of, of, of medication. Well, another category of discrimination, really, isn't it? Well, that's that's also true. And that's always been the case, you know, that drug users, or particularly opioid users or so-called junkies, are not. Um, not they are discriminated against because it's permitted. Absolutely, you know, it's the the one bunch that we that are you're allowed to discriminate against. And anyway, that's uh, that's in no, brought no. out in the women's stories later on too. You're absolutely you right, Mary. I mean, a lot of chemists have you know little places out the back where the methadone patients go. Or oh yeah, the, very know, much to the side. Little, Don't look. Put, draw the curtains. Don't upset yeah. the normal and, clients. And yeah. stand back and wait until we've dealt with the real customers first, despite That's also the fact true. that you're paying a fortune. And you're a regular customer. Yeah. You come every day. Yeah. You're the backbone of the business. In, in Absolutely. No, it's really got up my craw for a long time. So um, more power to all the stakeholders and the federal government for actually um, seeing the need to take some action yeah. and uh, end this discrimination. Yeah. So, I agree. Okay. Shall we go to the um, introduction anyway? Well, I'll just give people a summary of what karma does. Just All right, briefly. Yeah. Look, we believe that ca- at karma that people who use drugs should be treated with dignity and respect. This is something obviously we've been talking about for the last ten minutes. Is about the fact that they're not treated with dignity and respect, and that's reflected in the pharmacy. Has been reflected in the PBS pharmaceutical benefit scheme for the last. 30, 50 years since methadone was first introduced. But both as human beings and as consumers of health and social services, CUM works to reduce the discrimination and stigma experienced by drug users. It also speaks for our community's equal rights by progressing drug law reform agendas. Karma provides a treatment support, peer treatment support program. The Connection, which was First Nations People program, Karma Connection uh, Naloxone Program, and Dave, as you know, Dave and Damo do the training for that. And that's on the first Monday of every month. So the next one will be first of the uh, first of Tuesday June. in June yeah. at the Early Morning Centre. It is winter. <laughs> News from the drug war front, that's us, you know that. Reach, teach, treat, uh, thrive. 
Hepatitis C Peer Education and Treatment Project in partnership with Hepatitis ACT and the Karma Primary Healthcare Clinic, which is on Thursday from 10 till 2. Which is really important. Absolutely. You just go and get a fingertip prick test to get your finger finger prick test to test your blood to find out what uh, kind of a hepatitis C you've got, what brand of hepatitis C you've got, if you like. Well, a good thing about the genotype. clinic, you don't need an appointment. You don't need an appointment. You can just see turn people up. About, see the doctor about anything. You can get your flu nurse. shot, which yeah. is going to be really important because it's so cold and there's such a lot of people that are homeless at the moment um, We're and they're going to be exposed. Yeah. 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 So anyway, just so... Karma's unique. It's in in the ACT. It's at um, uh, not on uh, Churches Bill Conan Way. Yeah, fifty-four. Unit one. The unit. Seventeen. Church, unit seventeen. The Churches Centre. Bill Conan Churches Centre. And it's six two five three three six four three is the telephone number. Call them on it. That's on the landline. If you ring from a um, telephone box, I might add, these days, if you can find one, they should be free by now. I believe they are free. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Telstra's done that. They must have decided they need to recruit people back. But having got rid of three quarters of their telephone boxes, it's not a great surprise. If you're lucky I don't to know, have in one. Nixon, there are two, one of which will usually work. Okay. Well... <laughs> Any questions or concerns or need for advice or you any issue? You can always call. call. You can karma. drop in or you can call. If you don't want to be seen, just you don't ring have up. To. And yeah. you can talk to a worker who will give you the, such advice as you require or refer you to someone who can. Exactly. And if Remember you don't mind that, being seen, drop into the drop-in centre. Come to the drop-in centre. Just go up coffee. to the first floor. Yep. Of uh, what number is it, Jeffrey? Belconnen Way. It's fifty-four Belconnen Way. That's right. Um, it's called Unit the Churches Centre. That's right. Um, Belconnen Churches Centre. It's in big letters on the side, and it's right opposite the interchange before the interchange because there are two interchanges at Belconnen. One right up at the at uh, Westfield Shopping Centre, and one across the road from um, where. Karma's seat or the Belconnen Churches Centre. It's really quite a big one as well. Well, it's a walkway that takes it's you to Belconnen Plaza yeah. if you want to do some shopping at the same time. Absolutely. Okay, uh, news from the drug war front reports on uh, many news stories that are relevant to illicit drug users from uh, Australia and also around uh, the rest of the world. Many of the articles featured in this program uh, come from other sources, including mainstream media. So the contents of this uh, broadcast or podcast uh, which will be a podcast tomorrow, do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Karma and The Connection, which is our service for First Nations clients. Karma does not condone nor condemn drug use and we do not promote illegal activity. However, we do recognise that drug use happens and will continue to happen regardless of laws and United Nations conventions. As such, Karma focuses on harm reduction messages, drug treatment support services, advocacy and community development. We aim to reduce the harms uh, associated with drug use and its criminalisation. I mean, the black market is, to my mind, the cause of virtually the, the overwhelming cause of the harms and indeed uh, caused by um, the current set- setup through the provision of programs that foster community development and the delivery of person-centred holistic healthcare. Karma advocates for equity of health service delivery for all people. So just. Drug users should get treated the same like anyone else on Indeed. all health matters. All right, we're going to do a shout-out um, to Julie Bates uh, from Sydney, uh, well-known. She's actually got an Order of Australia for her yeah. work. Yeah, hello, Julie. How are you, darling? Wonderful person. Yep. Um, 
this is uh, Richard Clapton and Girls on the Avenue. Absolutely. All right, it's uh, just after 10 minutes to 11 and you're on 2XX, People Powered Radio, 98.3 FM and this is news from the drug war front with Jeff and Marion. Uh, we've got a story which I think just goes to prove how important uh, the can test uh, service we have here. We can check. And it. knowing that Queensland are going to get can test or drug testing very soon and going to have it widespread, they're not going to trial it, they're going to take a leaf out of Canberra's book rely on the research that's been done down and here. And go for it. But here's a, the, the kicker. 
I'm going to read the one from the Daily Mail, the story from the Daily Mail, which came on the 14th of May. Jeffrey's going to read the story from the ABC News, which was on May the 15th, and the difference of the, between the two is monumental. So, relative of NRL star Payne Haas is rushed to hospital over suspected drug overdose. Dot points. One man, 19, dead after suspected drug overdose. And dot point two, relative of NRL star, also 19, a relative of the NRL star, is in hospital. So a relative of Brisbane Broncos star, Payne Haas, has been hospitalised after a suspected drug overdose, which left another man dead. Emergency services were called to a property in Gavin, Gold Coast, just after midnight on Sunday morning. They found Haas's 19-year-old relative unconscious after ingesting what was suspected to be the drug GHB. He was taken to Gold Coast Hospital in a critical condition. Paramedics were then sent to another dress in Arundel where they found another two men suspected of having overdosed, one in a garage. Both were taken to the Gold Coast University Hospital where the 20-year-old tragically died. Haas is not alleged to be involved. A spokeswoman for the Queensland Police said they do not believe that death is suspicious. Well, I'm <laughs> sorry, I do. If, you, if someone's taken drugs and you don't know what's in them, suspicious it's always to me. suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, police will prepare a court for the coroner following the sudden death of the 19-year-old Arundel man on the Gold Coast in the early hours of Sunday morning, she said. Quote again, the man was found unconscious in the garage of an Arundel property and was transported to the Gold Coast University Hospital where he died shortly after. She added, two other 19-year-old men known to the Arundel man were transported to the Gold Coast University Hospital, one's in a critical condition, the other's in a serious condition. Investigations are continuing. So that's the police report. The next that's really is the sad. ABC one. Jeffrey. Well, this goes into the same story in a slightly different way. But it's way. a whole different way Take, of framing it, yeah? Which we expect from the ABC. We do. Uh, this is from May the 15th, ABC News by Kirsten Webster. Gold Coast Group overdose sees death, um, so, sorry, sees poli- death sees police warn unre- unregulated drugs like rolling the dice. Yeah. Well, so it is, regulate them. Regulate them. Yeah, I mean, or at least get them tested. Rolling the dice is a perfectly reasonable Absolutely. description. Absolutely. Uh, police are um, awaiting toxicology uh, results to determine the type of pure, uh, type of party drug involved in a weekend group overdose that has left a teenager dead and two others in the hospital. And it mentions some key points, which I don't think I need to read. Jeremiah Lola Haya, 19, died at the Gold Coast University Hospital on Sunday after he was found unconscious at his address in the early hours of the morning. A 19-year-old man who was with him was also taken to hospital in a serious condition. Another man was found unconscious and taken to hospital, also in a critical condition from a Gavin address. Uh, the next heading is no quality control. Police Superintendent Rhys Wildman says there are very big risks in taking drugs from unknown sources. <laughs> really? Is Black that, markets like that, yeah. It's been that way for a long time, Rhys. Um, this is a tragic outcome. Senate, uh, Superintendent Wildman said, you are rolling the dice each time you purchase drugs from an unknown source. Said the Rolling Stones. <laughs> well, this is they do the rolling the dice song. Uh, they do. And this yeah. is very much the whole point of, it is, of the isn't argument. It? That's is, the whole thing about can't drug testing. 
Exactly. And one of the, the great things about can tests is the speed with which um, you can drug alerts can, can get out. That's and, right. And one of the things that was pointed out to me, which I didn't realise, is, of course, the police have the biggest toxicology database in the country by a long way. Indeed, but they don't always release that information. Well, they're not they? required to. No. Which they keep it for themselves or they give it to the Institute of Criminology, but they don't release it to drug users. I'm and that's just... Dumbfounded. That crazy to me. So what, you know there's a dangerous drug on the street on the or street. an extra potent drug on the street and yet you don't you tell mum. the population. Yeah, you just hope not enough people. On your own head, be it. Strange uh, way to look after stuff. your citizens. Absolutely. Um, these are made either at home or in off-site warehouses where there is no quality of control around the quality of the drug or what mixes are included in these particular drugs. Well, we know that. Superintendent Wildman said two of the men have since been discharged from hospital. Due to the expertise of the staff at the Gold Coast University Hospital, both of those males have recovered, Superintendent Wildman said. A report is being prepared for the coroner and there's a whole list of numbers and organisations if you need help, which are the usual there's ones. The National get. Drug and Alcohol Hotline, Family Drug Support, Al-Anon, which doesn't seem that relevant local. to this one, but Path, Path to, to Health. Path to Health, Beyond Blue, Lifeline and Men's Lifeline, Men's Line Australia. I think it would be a lot better to have a national peer-based um Look, I would like to see the National Alcohol and Other Drug Hotline actually be um, about drug information as much as anything else. And, I mean, the specifics about drug information, how can you tell when a drug is working? How can you tell what should you not take in collaborate? You know, what drug should you not take? Um, When you're taking one particular drug, what other drug should you not take? And I just find that... When uh, that we just don't have access to that knowledge unless you've got the books, unless you've got the pharmaceutical, um, the PBS guide, or unless you've got uh, a list of drugs, popular drugs, and the contraindications and side effects for those drugs, and we just are not well enough informed. And well, it's a I'd sad say thing. The uptake from this is uh, can test like facilities, not just in Canberra. And actually more hours in Canberra. But yes. all major cities. Well, um, certainly go- it's going to be happening in Queensland, Queensland, or that was what was announced. Um, yet to see action on it, but I haven't heard anything about it, that's all. Um, but well, nonetheless... Time for action. Yep. Got time for your uh, Cream song, Marion, before Great. the national news. This is uh, going back a bit. This is Cream and Strange Brew. And very relevant. Hmm. She's a witch of trouble 
Uh, just uh, as a follow-up to that story that uh, came from the Gold Coast, um, there's a preliminary alert that's come out from CanTest about the drug cocktail uh, known as TUSI, T-U-S-I-A. It was found in a TUSI-B sample. A uh, pink powder sample purchased as psychedelic TUSI-B was found to contain a combination of other stimulant and dissociative drugs, including ketamine, MDMA and cocaine. So I guess the upshot is... Um, that's why can test and similar facilities are so important. Uh, the great thing about this is it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt what is being sold by the black market. So um, the average uh, purchaser who takes the word of uh, the person they're buying of or a recommendation from somebody can actually get um, verifiable accurate information from CanTest. Uh, currently, CanTest is only open six hours a week. It's been a fantastic success. I think it's uh, been going about eight months. Um, sadly, yeah, it's only um, 10 a.m. till 1 p.m. on um, Thursday and 6 till 9 on a Friday, but it's been a fabulous success. Um, but, yeah, look, some of these adulterants into drugs that people think that they're buying um, are a real worry. And people are getting things that they didn't um, expect to be getting. Effects can vary due to the contents being a combination of unknown drugs and amounts. Uh, know the signs for stimulant overdose, chest pain, racing pulse, sweating, overheating, shortness of breath, hallucinations, anxiety, paranoia, confusion and slurred speech. Test it before you take it. Start low and go slow. I've heard that one before. Absolutely. Don't mix with other drugs. So, look, I guess the, um, the upshot from that is uh, do go to can test if you can uh, accommodate those um, rather threadbare amount of times. I mean, I'm really hoping that the evaluation will say this is just, it's a no-brainer. Can test hours need to be extended. Um, it needs to especially be expanded at festival time. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's just Well, so it just sounds sensible, doesn't it, Jeffrey, really? I think we've had enough um, research of can test to show that it's valuable, it's and it's reliable, and that people behave responsibly when they know what's in their drugs. If it's not what they're expecting, they toss them out as a rule. It's exactly right. Or if it's not the proportion of what they expected. If it's an overdose, they'll halve their dose. If it's more than they expect or stronger than they expect. If it's uh, not what they expect and it has toxic substances in it, they've been known to toss them in the bin. And I just think it's the most sensible thing we've heard of. We wouldn't be having those kind of crises as they had in the, the Gold Coast. Most people do not want to end up in the back of an ambulance or worse. <laughs> or, or dead, darling. If you just want to put it as bluntly as possible, Absolutely. Um, look, I might play a song, Marion. Um, I actually wanted to play uh, Hendrix's Little Wing, but just by good fortune, I've actually got uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, who sadly is no longer with us. I actually saw him play right. once at Dallas Books Hall. Weren't you lucky? Man, he was, he was a was really, he good? very good. I wouldn't. Rate wow. anyone doing a version of Little Wing, but this guy delivered. So uh, this is Stevie Ray Vaughan with Double Trouble and uh, his track Little Wing.
All right, uh, that was Stevie Ray Vaughan, who I saw just the once at Dallas Brooks Hall in Melbourne. Sadly, died in August uh, 1990 of a helicopter crash. One of those. Oh, really? Did he? A lot of musicians died in plane crashes. That's, yeah, t- well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Big Bopper. Big Bopper. Got on the uh, wrong plane. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly, yeah. yeah. Uh, Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Plane ran out of fuel. <laughs> it was a dodgy plane. Well, Shirley Strawn. He uh, died in a helicopter That's crash. That's right, he did yeah? too, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's been a lot of people. But, oh, man, he could play. He really was. Um, I hope people that aren't bored by my going on. I'm no, bit... I did just listen to that and really it was a very, very uh, masterful yeah. playing of the guitar. Oh, it's mesmerised. Listen, I've just been thinking lately, um, Marion, it's not on the list of things officially to talk about, but just uh, a colleague was... Um, talking about doing some research into um, the impact of older opiate users now that a lot of people have got beyond an age where they're expected to be long gone. Yeah. And there's a lot of us, you know, us well, included. Well, strange. I'm 70. I'm supposed to be dead. Yeah, I thought I'd be dead at 50. You know. I really didn't think I'd be lasting this long. And, yeah, my occupation is radio show and Using where, where where is the research for this? It's Absolutely. just like they've fallen off the edge of the cliff. That's they don't right. count. We, um, we don't exist. They shouldn't be around. So who needs to waste time doing research? You know. Well, yeah. I mean, it's one of the uh, big issues is uh, how many people are there like me who aren't on any opioid support dependence uh, or program or any treatment program who just don't want it because that's not what they want. Yeah. Well, that's also true. Yeah. And hopefully these cha- changes by the federal government to try and equalise and standardise the regulations might encourage some some waverers to think, well, at least it's going to be fair. Yeah. And hopefully it's going to not judgmental and I'll just be treated like someone else. Well, um, and look, I was speaking to a friend of my son's the other day. He's a friend of mine too and he's actually – Changing over from methadone to the injectable um, buprenorphine. Right. By choice? When he can. Simply so he can go away for a while. Right. Yeah, just touring. And only has to be somewhere for once every three weeks or so. Right. To have an injection of his uh, injectable uh, buprenorphine once every three weeks. So, you know, for him that's very useful. Um. For me, I can't go away on a holiday, that doesn't matter. I can't afford it anyway, given the prices I have to pay for the drugs I like to use. Well, travelling by plane is not very cheap either these well, days. Well, no. I mean, it would have to be a plane trip to get me there and back before I need another shot. Yeah, exactly. But the, we're going on to the next story, Jeffrey, and, and this is really something that is... God, if it isn't dead set fact, it ought to be by now. Uh, from the Village News, more than 107 Americans died in 2021 due to drug overdoses. Now, this is old news, but, you know, for the Americans, as we say, that eventually they'll do the right thing. It says, this is by your turn. Uh, no, no, this is by your um, Ashley Moody from May the 13th. 2023. This week we recognise National Fentanyl Awareness Day, Fentanyl Awareness Day, by joining law enforcement leaders and other first responders in Clearwater to launch a new program to fight, help fight the opioid crisis and save lives. Now, this is a double entendre. Our new initiative, a new 
program is an initiative. Helping Heroes will provide free naloxone to law enforcement firefighters and paramedics at select Walmart pharmacy locations across the state. Well, the I more, hope more naloxone, the better. Get yeah, it well, out. Well, I hope they're in Clearwater because, you know, that's where they're celebrating it. Yeah. The latest, latest nat- data nationally shows that more than 107,000 Americans died in 2021 due to drug overdoses, with fentanyl being the, num- the major factor in the record number of deaths. There was also a recent report that showed the number of fentanyl overdose deaths nationwide more than tripled over the past five years. This program is important now more than ever. Our law enforcement officers, something we need, and first responders are on the front lines of the opioid crisis. So are peer educators, though that's not in this article. When responding to an overdose, seconds matter and naloxone could be the difference between life and death. So it's a interesting that uh, they're just celebrating um, opioid awareness, opioid overdose awareness day. And uh, pushing free fentanyl, which naloxone. and that was has been a problem. We've reported on that for you a meant while. Naloxone, didn't you? The free naloxone <laughs> that they had to select who they would give it to because they had to pay for every dose. Oh, okay. And it was really expensive. Now we reported on that. Wow, beginning of this year, end of last year, Jeffrey, that they had to pay for all of their doses. So first responders, particularly um, EMTs. Um, had to choose who they would give within a budget naloxone to yeah. because they only had a certain amount of naloxone. So if they somebody overdosed twice, or if they overdosed and then they uh, relapsed, like they overdosed again an hour later, they were still overdosing, or they went back into overdose. They had to decide whether they would give naloxone again, and no. that's. It's not not right. a decision you should have to make. No. Certainly not as an AMT. You should be able to say, okay, boom. Uh, I'm no sure the pe- immediately. Certainly that's the case in in Canberra. Yep. We don't have a problem with that. I'm sure the parents of a deceased child would be annoyed uh, Very to hear annoyed. that the price was the difference that whole between. Idea. For the for you know, for want of thirty dollars or sixty dollars, although in Canberra it doesn't cost anything now, does it, Jeffrey? Uh no. No. no, it doesn't. It's so, provided nationally by the federal government thanks to the success of Karma's right. So there's no program. reason why people should not have a box of naloxone nasal spray, yep. which contains two and instructions on how to use it, if you don't do the at least monthly training that Dave provides, which is incentivised, meaning you get paid for it. Um, but the point is, if you can get it over the counter from a pharmacy for nothing, why have you not got it in your purse or in your pocket? Well, what's really good Just is Dave's case. extending it to um, other organisations, nurses, other you know, programs, just to spread the message that Absolutely. it's not difficult. And do not kick someone out of your house just because they've overdosed. No. Give them a snort of fentanyl, keep an eye on them for three I'm wondering whether you should do this GP considerations when prescribing medicinal cannabis. So just because I've been hearing a lot about it, um, I used to be uh, a cannabis user, but after going through a car windscreen, I, I got paranoid because I had bits of glass in my face. And yes. Even though I know there's a skull between you know, your face and your brain, it, it just... It worried me and I had to stop smoking. But the, these new products are various um, gels, um, liquids, things under your tongue, 
and different sublingual things. Yeah, sublingual. And the point is that many of them are not intoxicating, Jeffrey. Well, that's and that's the point. That in fact, they have a medical, therapeutic um, reason for being uh, treated or for using as a treatment, and they address stress, anxiety, and um, all sorts of things. Pain. Sleeplessness, uh, lack of appetite. I want to give it a go. No, look, they are really the as long as you get the right kind of stuff. You you have to when you get diagnosed if it's over the phone, you have to give your list of symptoms. Yeah, and you talk to a doctor and they decide. That's right. It is a doctor, and there are about ninety doctors I think in Australia that don't. Anyway, let's go on. Yeah, this is actually from um, their publication, News uh, General Practitioner. And it's from 8th of May, and it says, GP considerations when prescribing medicinal cannabis. Treatment of patients with medicinal cannabis is increasing in regularity, but the decision to prescribe should be made with the best available information pertaining to its safety. As it stands, prescribers in an environment where patients may already be self-medicating with cannabis or are receiving inadequate benefit from their medications and wish to trial medical cannabis. Well, that's the position I find myself in. However, there are important safety considerations related to medicinal uh, medical cannabis compounds, some contraindications, as well as some uh, possible drug interactions. Well, there's never been a single fatality in the history of cannabis in human beings. So, no fatalities, Jeffrey, but possibly contraindications. That, that's true. And we haven't, but the, the thing is, we haven't heard them. Yeah. I mean, yes, I want yeah. to speak to a doctor, definitely. Um, some contraindications as well as possible drug interactions and understanding of the mechanism of action as it is currently understood and what cannabinoids are frequently used. Um, and what cannabinoids are frequently used can help contextualise these safety considerations. The major cannabinoids used therapeutically are THC. That's the um, the old. That's the old. Yeah. Well, that's what people used to smoke for their recreational high. That's right. But CBD cannabidiol is the tr- therapeutic um, oil, which has very little THC. And which they a- act on the endocannabinoid system, yeah. And we have receptors in our brains, which That's says a lot right. about how long we've had a relationship with it. Yep. The mechanism of THC is thought to be predominantly due to its partial agonism on uh, CB1 and CB2 receptors found mostly in neurons and immune cells, respectively. So it's getting some technical stuff. The psychoactive effects of THC are well known, but unlike opioids, THC is generally considered to have an exceptionally low toxicity partially due to its limited involvement with brainstem areas that control respiration. Nonetheless, there are some important uh, effects that uh, can be caused by THC that GPs considering a medicinal cannabis prescription should be aware of, including tachycardia and exacerbation of psychosis, as well as unclear effects on the developing brain. CBD, this is one I'm interested in. Mm. Unlike THC, CBD uh, conveys no psychoactive effects. The mechanism of CBD is unclear, although recent studies have indicated that the mechanism may be complex and involve more uh, indirect effects on the endocannabinoid system rather than a simple interaction with CB3 and CB2 receptors. CB1 and CB2. CB1, yeah, I need my glasses back on. The (laughs) tolerability of CBD has been demonstrated in doses of uh, 600 milligrams. 6,000 milligrams, darling. That's very small print, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm 
Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Although costs involved with large uh, large doses would be prohibitive, and such doses would be unnecessary to receive uh, any therapeutic benefit. Yeah, just, but it just shows that it's tolerable at that dose. Well, they're acknowledging. So the point is, it does not hurt. It may it doesn't harm. It may not help, but doesn't harm. Well, they're not ruling out positive yes. um, therapeutic outcomes, which That's is really right. exciting. Yeah. There are also a few notable potential drug interactions possible with medical cannabis, and despite no formal drug interaction studies being conducted, most medications appear safe. Good. So drug and drug interactions. Possible drug interactions may be attributed to cannabis and may be attributed to cannabis's involvement with the CYP450 enzymes, that's CYP3A4, CYP3C9 and cyp 2C19, CYP1A1 and 1A2, as well as P-glycoprotein. I have no idea what any of that means, but I dare say doctors do. As uh, some common examples of drugs which may interact with cannabinoids, such as clopazam, rivaroxaban, warfarin, now that's a blood thinner, that one I know, clopidogrel, and tacrolimus, those who I do not know. Treatment of patients with medical cannabis has reached a developing phase in Canberra. Although there are many studies of the wider scientific community surrounding the safety of natural cannabinoids, it can be somewhat effective for prescribers to apply this information to clinical practice due in part to the lack of randomised controlled trials. And what's the reason for that? Prohibition. That's right. Yet despite this, patients are being treated with cannabis at an increasing rate due to its relative safety and their preference for it, I might add. People who have been smoking cannabis or using cannabinoids for a long time find that it has been useful for them and what ails them. And yeah. But this method randomized might be safer too. trial is what doctors need. They need the scientific proof. But the uh, personal story doesn't seem to matter. However, I think it's important. Um, cannabis producer Med Relief Australia has expanded its concessional access to the scheme to improve the supply of pharmaceutical-grade products for concession card holders. Under the concession program, eligible patients will be able to access medicinal cannabis oil and dried flower preparations under the Indie Med brand. Patients who have a Commonwealth Seniors Health Card, that's me, a Veterans Card, a Pensioner Concession Card or a Healthcare Card or an Active Centrelink Customer Reference Number will be able to access the scheme. Education surrounding endocannabinoid system and medical cannabis can be provided to interested prescribers by Med Relief Australia Clinical Support. For more information on medical cannabis and to learn more about how to access the medication for patients, general practitioners can contact the, uh, and this is I think just one word, clinical support in lowercase at medreliefaustralia.com.au or register at our medical portal. This was commissioned by Med Relief Australia. Login anyway. Well, this is by no means the only article about uh, this service. No, but I- it's it's uh, interesting to see and interesting to hear about, and it does provide information that doctors can probably respond and to. And it's set up so you speak over the phone to a doctor, you say what your uh, problem is, they make a decision based on whether it's suitable or not, and it 
can be done through the mail. So I'm very, very interested. Cause yes, and in fact, I know of at least one uh, med- uh, cannabinoid provider who's a pharmacist in uh, the ACT, and given that he's a partner in a number of pharmacies, I dare say that the pharmacies that he is partner in are also providing. This is going to take off, Marion, once the regulations are, are loosened and the reality that there are therapeutic um Absolutely. Many therapeutic uh, yeah. things for... Um, well, my son has uh, squashed um, spinal vertebrae or discs. Yeah. Well, it's crushed discs. Grape the stuff and like that. And he has been uh, using cannabinoids to reduce his headaches and the pain in his neck and to allow him to sleep and stop him vomiting. Well, and if he's without cannabinoids, he is... He vomits. He actually has a very bad time. It's not an addictive no. substance. It is because he suffers from the pain. Yeah. Well, without the vomiting, a- my symptoms are very, very similar. And um, it's no fun living with pain. And being just given uh, this antidepressant and then trialling another one and all this, you know, I've never been favourably disposed towards just becoming a big farmer a client, you know, no, I, I reluctantly... You don't want to be on 20 pills a day anyway, Jeffrey, That's why I think you? this yeah. would be a lot more... Uh, look, you can only try it, Jeffrey, and find out. Indeed. Isn't that the point? And what now that... It, one of the difficulties in the ACT is if you don't have a home of your own, as opposed to having living in a house, yeah. you cannot grow the two plants you may oh, need. Right. Yeah. yeah, that you're allowed to grow yeah. without getting into trouble, which is good for us, but not good for people who have don't have a home, don't have a backyard. Well, it's another um, sign of Canberra's so positive. So if you can get it prescribed, it's great. Yep. Look, I'll play a positive song, given that I'm feeling very optimistic after reading that. It's uh, Primal Scream. We play this whenever we want to feel happy. It's uh, moving on up. It's just a short one, but it's, yeah, it's an up-tempo.
Oh, that's a really uplifting song. Yeah. It's uh, Primal Scream from their Dirty Hits compilation and it's moving up. Okay, yeah. it's 11.36. You're with Jeff and Marion in Studio One of 2XX People Powered Radio, 98.3 FM. You might, uh, you might remember last year we did 11 Days of Action on uh, women um, against uh, of discrimination against women who use drugs. I think it might even um, be a couple of years now, Marion. Oh, God, a couple of years. Is it gone that fast? Anyway, we have three more stories, only one of which I'll do this morning. I think these come from another organisation, but it's still Indeed similar to the But they the are, are on the same um, road. Uh, and last week, that was the other thing, last week we did a story from Brazil on women and self-organisation. In a feminist in framework, the, in yeah. In the favelas, yes. I reckon it would be really nice if we could print... The stories that we've got so, out of that um, indeed it would it project would be a great with, thing um, and Natasha has suggested in. that a couple of times it'd be fabulous to do. Well, I remember the first one you read. You know, you were choked up, and I was too, to be honest. Yeah. Not just you. Look, it was, some of them are just so potent because gender is an extra dimension, and women suffer more from prohibition. Well, it's just we're the at the truth. end of the line, Jeffrey. You know, we always get the last shot. We used to get the blunt fit. We used to get the, you know, the dirty hit because. The boyfriend always had the first shot, always scored, took half, but before he came home, you know, it was just an old, old story. It used to amaze me how many men could not divide by two. No, they could only <laughs> divide by two, th- by three, yeah? Half for me and then two, one for you and one for me when I got home. Anyway, women assert their voices in conversation about drug use. There's three st- women's of non-conformist blog. Uh, comparison, our bodies, our choice, our something, our voice. Sorry, Jeffrey, that's I can't read. Anyway, junkies, sluts, and feminists, where are we in the witch legacy? This is the first one by uh, Emma Arnold. Okay, I recently watched a lecture from Kristen J. Solly in her books, Witches, Sluts, and Feminists. I first thought. She was preaching to me the converted, already a feminist academic who appreciates scholarly research into the demonstration of women and our sexuality. Which, what was this witch feminism? Does that sound so appealing? I come from a long line of strong women, one of whom is a rather myster- is rather mysterious with mystical ties. Due to my great-grandmother's magical practices, predating the Christian conversion of her entire family, are well hidden. Is that why I found myself hanging off every word of this lecture? The intrigue? It didn't matter that I was already in the Church of the Witch brand of feminism. Solly had me covered, or did she? Hang on a minute. Where's the junkies? A word I personally use and reclaim. Where are the junkie sluts? Where's the women who use drugs? Why are we not included with these other once offensive female identities? I feel like junkies would fit right in with the sluts, feminists and the occult. We are counterculture, cultural, thanks to the criminalisation of what we choose to put into our bodies. In fact, I believe we are natural alchemists practising chemical science as only junkies can. Women who use drugs possess a hidden knowledge much like the witches of Salem or the cunning folk of Britain and other parts of medieval Europe. The craft and crime of a medieval woman was magic. Of medieval women was magic. 
the craft and crime of the modern woman, the knowledge and use of drugs, which can also be magical. What did the sexy witch stereotype, a barely clothed woman expressing female sexuality, riding on a broomstick and exploring sexual pleasure? As women who uses drugs, uh, we are not afraid of seeking pleasure. Like the witch, I should not be demonised for wanting satisfaction and gratification. Solly's witches, sluts and feminists guided me through the history of misogyny and demonstrated how witch feminism feeds into contemporary conversations about reproductive rights, sexual pleasure, pleasure queer identity, pornography and sex work. Themes addressing for a want of bodily autonomy. I would also like governance over my own body. I would like to be allowed to use illicit drugs legally and as safely as possible, making informed choices like I could make if I wanted to use a drug deemed illicit. A drug like alcohol is fine, but not heroin, not even pot. It's not the same here. As much as I could relate to witches, sluts and feminists, I was also noticed as a junkie I wasn't there. I didn't see myself. Prior to discovering witches, sluts and feminists, I had just discovered narco-feminism this year, to quote Judy Chang's article, Narco-Feminism, a campaign for the feminist who uses drugs. Quote, I am a feminist. I am a woman who uses drugs. Up until recently, these identities have been mutually exclusive, having rarely been held together under the same conceptual space. This blew my mind and resonated with me as so much. I had felt like my drug use excluded me from feminist spaces. Even though empowering, supporting women who use drugs is a feminist action and we should be included in women's spaces and services more and more. I was eager to share the discovery with two of my closest friends and colleagues, both women who use drugs, who work in harm reduction, advocacy and activism. The three of us are self-confessed narco-feminists now. I've even been referring to our group emails, chats and catch-up visits as the coven. Like all feminist spaces we belong to, special thanks to all the junky, slutty feminist witches out there. You're all my heroes. Thanks for the good work. So she's reclaiming the word junkie, and that's really great. That's by Emmy Arnold, I think is the name. That's fabulous. And that's the first story, and I love it because it always said, Jeffrey, let's reclaim the word junkie because it drives me crazy that we use that to self Stigmatise. Stigmatise and to mutually stigmatise. And, you know, if you really want to slag off at someone, you call them a junkie. And I just think, yeah, but that's me you're talking about. So I really want – it's like users, you know, computer users took users off us when we were taking it, first took it. Um, But junkies has never belonged to anyone but injectors. And I think we should reclaim it. Anyway, that's the first of three. I hope we can find a way to – get that going yep. so we can get more and more stories and I'd, hopefully get them printed up. Into I would love to see them printed up and I'd love to next week do the second story from Magic yeah. and then the third week the Abs- next one. Absolutely. And that will make four weeks of stories, one from Brazil, yep. that one, and then the two further more. two. Yeah. And they can also go into the women's stories from the, you know, war on drugs against women. And, could could you know, go online. feminism yeah. is a great 
terminology. Yeah, yeah? I think so. It's very important. Um, look, just um, just rehash again that anyone who's interested in the reforms by the federal government about um, pharmaceutical benefit scheme and subsidised um, opioid substitution treatment will put the documentation, because there's a hell of a lot of it. A I had to get Chris yeah. to it's sort very of complex too. put me through it in a quick form because yeah. um, it's been going on for quite, well, 30 years really. Abel's been trying. Um, and, the, and the table is easy to read if you look at it, but it's complex to read out over the radio. Absolutely. Yeah, so much well, better if we put any, it on the website. Any major change, there's Absolutely. going to be a lot and of... And have a look because it means that... Methadone, buprenorphan, and injectable, long-acting injectable um, buvidal um, are going to be called Schedule 100 drugs. It's so they'll be in a change. whole different yep. um, pharmaceutical benefit scheme schedule under the, under the NHS National Health Scheme. So keep an eye out. Have a look on the website for it because it's really important stuff and it relates directly to people who want to be on opioid, substitu- opioid substitution therapy. We're not going to be freaks and we're not going to have to walk on eggshells. No, and, uh, and we, we be, don't have to be the people that wait until the real customers yes, are served, yeah? Which has been a problem for a long time. All right, look, I'll play a quick song then we'll uh, get into a very good piece we'll from finish Vancouver. finish the Jerry Martin one, yeah? This is Vancouver, a, Canada. A short sorry. one from the specials, English band. It's uh, really a message to you. Ah, good. Yeah, it's a good little song. The specials.
great little song from the specials, uh, Rudy, Indeed, uh, message to you. All right, we'll wrap up this week's show, uh, News from the Drug War Front, and a very important story from um, our colleagues in Vancouver who basically, because of the amount of people dying because of fentanyl and other really strong synthetic opioids, they're just freaking out. They're just reached a point where we just can't cope with this. It's traumatising. Yeah, and we've been we've been giving you stories every week pretty well on what's going on. Yeah, we've on kept in people Vancouver up to date because it's radical and because I think it's something we should be aiming at. Yeah, it seems like Australians have lost their active. You remember the Vietnam War moratoriums for Dr. Jim yeah. Cairns and people. And it was, but it had nothing about drugs and everything about don't fight. Yeah. yeah? Well, we even came out against the Iraq War when um, John Howard said we're going to join the US. Yeah. Anyway, Jerry Martin had a Shame radical... we didn't come out against John Howard mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that. Uh, Jerry Martin had a radical plan to reduce overdose deaths in Vancouver, Canada, taking the drug laws into his own hands. And this is uh, by Simon Doherty from theface.com, May the 10th. Last week, a man in Vancouver, Canada, casually opened up a shop selling heroin, coke, MDMA and meth. Dozens of people queued up to be served by 51-year-old Jerry Martin at the aptly named The Drugstore, a mobile pop-up shop operating out of a trailer. Wearing a stab-proof vest, he sold a maximum of two and a half grams of the drugs to anyone over 18 with a valid ID. He'd even tested everything on sale via his harm reduction organisation, The Safe Supply Project. Martin was unsurprisingly arrested the day after the drugstore opened. <laughs> Gee, what a surprise. Yeah. But why did he do it? In January this year, British Columbia, the province that Vancouver sits in, became the first place in Canada to make amendments to their Controlled Drugs and Substances Act. As part of a three-year pilot program, this made the possession of personal amounts, two and a half grams or less, of drugs such as cocaine, MDMA, meth and opioids, such as fentanyl, morphine and heroin, decriminalised. The move was aimed to curb the staggering number of drug overdose deaths in the area. British Columbia is a province with a population of around 5 million people, which for context is significantly less than London's roughly 9 million people. In British Columbia, an average of almost seven people die from a drug overdose every day. Seven a day, Maz. Yeah. 596 people tragically met their end that way in the first three months of this year. For comparison, according to the latest drug death statistics in England and Wales, there were 296 drug use deaths in London in 2020, and that's the highest since records began. But in British Columbia, a total of 11,000 people have died from an overdose since 2016. Often the overdoses are linked to fentanyl, a synthetic opioid which has gradually become more available than heroin on the street corners of Canada over the years. Between between January and September 2022, an estimated 81% of accidental apparent opioid toxicity deaths involved fentanyl. And as a quote, setting up a drug shop selling meth in Vancouver's downside east side is radical, but at this stage in the war on drugs, perhaps we do need some radical ideas. Indeed. Here, here. Drug experts have previously told the face that synthetic opioids such as fentanyl are favoured by dealers as they're easier to manufacture, smuggle and move around. But fentanyl is 50 times stronger than heroin. 50 now, Geoffrey. It's gone from 1,000 times stronger than heroin to, to 100, 100 times and now it's 50 times stronger than heroin, which significantly raises the probability of accidental overdose. Of course it does. 
This is a reality that Martin knows all too well. One of his brothers died last year from an overdose while the other was stabbed in a drug deal gone wrong many years before. And Martin himself is a drug addict in recovery. He hasn't used drugs in 15 years. I think it's time, Martin told Canadian radio host Vassie Kapolos, Kapolos, sorry, ahead of the opening of the shop. Naturally, she asked the obvious, couldn't opening a shop selling drug like a news agent knocking out pick and mix more than drug-related problem? Quote, people are not safe one way or the other, he continued, especially since we're going on going to decriminalise drugs. We're going to have to... Um, have the whole province who thinks we're going to be able to just use drugs legally and have no safe supply, which I believe is just going to spike the overdoses. Users need a safe supply. Quote, I don't think this has been done anywhere in the world, not like this anyway. No, it hasn't, Martin. Uh, Jerry, sorry. I think it could be very successful. We're definitely going to save some lives, Martin continued. Am I going to stay out of jail? I don't know. Part of the plan really is not to. Not that I want to go to jail, but then we can have a constitutionalised challenge to try and legalise some of these drugs so that people can have a safe supply. Ah. BC's a new, uh, new decriminalisation law will stay in place for three-year trial period, but unfortunately for Martin, dealing these drugs remains illegal. As predicted, he was indeed arrested. The drugstore lasted for less than 24 hours. The Vancouver police said that they'd, quote, arrested a man for drug trafficking in connection with an illicit drug dispensary, end quote, although it's understood that he hasn't yet been charged with a specific crime. According to the BBC, Martin says he'll fight any charge in court using the fact that contaminated drug supplies cause harm as the basis for his defence. This whole escapade serves to demonstrate why legalising drugs is more preferable to decriminalising them. When a society decriminalises a drug, it's no longer a criminal offence to possess the drug, drug, but the supply remains illegal and in the hands of the underground. It's a step in the right direction but can only go so far in reducing harm. If Vancouver legalised these drugs instead of decriminalising them, people like Martin could obtain a licence and sell them. To sell them, and crucially, quantity control measures would be introduced. This could go a long way when it comes to wiping out accidental overdose deaths overnight. Setting up a drug shop selling meth in Vancouver's downtown east side may seem extreme, But at this stage in the war on drugs, we need radical ideas. After all, we've had a century of futile attempts to crack down on drugs, bizarrely treating a health issue as a criminal one. And and all it's resulted in is misery, death and social decay. Maybe it's time for more radical innovators like Jerry Martin to bring some fresh ideas to the table. Here, here, Jerry here, Martin. Here. Absolutely good on you, Jerry Martin. And might try and write uh, email response. I would do that if thank I were him you, for his Jeffrey. efforts. Yeah, look, look, that maybe via the face dot com. Say, so, look, we're supported over here. 
if only Australia would con- you know, consider the same action. We've got the drug testing. We've certainly got the consumers, got the replacement therapies, but we just haven't got the uh, maintenance programs of the drugs that people want to use. And, and we need more important. of a focus on what consumers want. Yes. How they've suffered, what it's done detrimental to their lives. And the fact that we are totally discriminated against, Jeffrey. And no one else would be treated like that. No it would be an out, out, outcry. Absolutely. Especially with that number of people that are dying in places <sighs> like British Columbia, and yep. let alone executions in other countries, you know. No, it's just madness. Um, it's, it, it, it's a human rights issue, to my mind. Um, just, just to quickly remind, if people um, know someone who wants to speak... Um, to talk about National Reconciliation Week at the end of this month. Yep. We'd be very keen to get some uh, elders or people that have worked in the field or have uh, knowledge about um, First Drug Nations use. issues yeah. and, and, and drugs. Uh, it's a very important issue and we'd like to make that as our contribution to um, National Reconciliation Week. Indeed, we would. Don't forget News from the Drug Warfront has its Facebook page. Karma has a website and Mitch has put up um, an artificial intelligence thing, which I tried out, where you can type a question yeah. like, oh, when is uh, Karma's radio show on? And it comes back, oh, 10.30 till noon on a Tuesday <laughs> on 2 double. It's actually yeah. quite amazing. That's you know, great. Um, very readable and accurate. It's, it's extraordinary. Yes, yeah, so Linda and Mary, you have no excuse for not remembering what time and date. You can just go into the website and both of you know how to do that. Oh, and don't forget the uh, Banoscope too. Ah, absolutely. Preferably Monday afternoon, but ring up. And find out when you can come in and find out where your viable veins are because many of us who've been using for a long time don't have obvious viable veins. And well, the veinoscope old, will find them. For older users, it's a massive oh, issue. Oh, especially it's older terrible. smoking users. You yeah. just can't go straight through them. No, it's very important. Yep. Um, so if people have got any particular issues that like Marion and I to research or investigate or get somebody into uh, interview, um, yep. please uh, let us know. The uh, website to contact us is info, I-N-F-O, at cahma.org.au. Um, so if you just send an email through, uh, Dave uh, responds to those every day. He'll pass it on to me and I'll pass it on to Marion and we'll Good. get to work um, covering your questions and you know, Indeed, we will. I mean, it's funny how many countries we haven't actually done stories on. There's, I mean, there's 200 odd countries in the world, so I guess we haven't been able to Indeed. cover them all. I mean, I can think of the whole of Africa, for instance. Well, remember <laughs> I think last we've week, done Israel. one in South Africa, on South Africa. Yeah. Uh, we've done a few on South America. We've concentrated pretty much on the US and Canada because yeah. that's what we know about. Yep. There's a lot of mystery about Mexico. A lot of places in Europe that we know nothing about. Well, you can be sure in Mexico, a lot of violence. Indeed, <laughs> depending upon where you live. Anyway, look, there. look it's we're just pretty much up Think the about the issues, go. open your minds. Um, yeah. Think about what you want. Texture like sun Lays me down With my mind she runs Throughout the night No need to fight Never a frown With golden brown 
just like the last On her ship, tied to the mast Two distant lands, takes both my hands Never a frown, with golden brown Temptress Through the ages She's heading west From far away Stays for a day Never a frown With a golden 